Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. What is a special event that you've had in your life that unfortunately you had to miss? Uh, I would say like birthdays. Birthday? How many birthdays have you missed? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my birthdays. I never celebrate my birthday. Why is that? I don't know. I never really liked it. No, I went to a lot. The, the majority of the special events, I just didn't go to the ones that I didn't want to go to. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I did miss my sister's wedding. Two of them. She got married in the courthouse and I had a final. <laughs> It was pretty much in a small town and everything was right there. <laughs> as soon as I leave here, I'll think of something. Um, I work at night and I'm constantly working weekends. So this is like one of the first times I've been to church in like months. Oh, graduation. I miss graduation, yeah. I got my degree, so it's chill. None because I say yes to everything and I can never say no. You show up to everything. Yes, or else I'll feel guilty. <laughs> It was the best invitation I've ever received, and yet I didn't even attend. It was almost 14 years ago, will be 14 years this coming March, the week of March 16. It was either Monday or Tuesday, I don't remember clearly, my assistant was gone both days. And so I wasn't particularly surprised when I received a phone call to my direct line in the office when I saw that it was being transferred from the main Loma Linda University number. What did surprise me was that the voice on the other end of the line, a male voice, identified himself as being from the White House. So I'm calling from the White House office of, and that got a little garble for me because I was still back on those two words, White House. White House of whatever it was. And we would like to invite you to an event. President Barack Obama is going to be at the Orange County Fairgrounds, and we'd like to invite you. We have two tickets if you'd like to come. Now, two or three thoughts flashed through my mind immediately. The first thought was, I've got some friend on the other end of this line who is trying to cover the mouthpiece and is about to die laughing when I step out onto that limb he's going to saw off as soon as I do it. And I didn't want to look like a fool. But then there was this little tweak that just said to me, what if, for some wildly unexplainable reason, what if this actually is the White House? I better not risk that. And then I thought, now if this is legit, maybe, maybe they're inviting pastors from churches in Southern California, and I'm just one on along. I couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. And so I, I thought about it just a moment. 
I remember the kind of week I was having and that still lay ahead. Remember that somebody was here out of state and I had an appointment and important and I, I remembered, you know, Sabbath, I had to come here before you all and then stand up here and say I didn't prepare anything because I was with the president. Nobody believed that, so that'd be the end of that. <laughs> and so I, all these thoughts are flashing through my mind. So I finally said, well, if I can't go, can I send someone in my place? And there was a bit of a pause. He said, well, well, I mean, can you say that to the White House? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I suppose so. Let me call you back. So this time I gave him my cell phone number. A little bit later, my phone rang, said, yes, you can. You need to pick up the tickets, though, and you need to do it soon, within the next few hours. It was then that I realized it wasn't the orange show over here. It was the Orange County Fairgrounds in Costa Mesa which meant hours of driving, and then you got to go down there and get the tickets right away and then come back, and I thought, oh, man. So I hung up, and, for, you know, obviously the thing I'm thinking, is this legit? Am I being had here in some way? So I suddenly had an idea. My friend Lee Ingersoll, endodontist down in Orange County, I called Lee. Lee, do you recognize this address? Yeah, it's just down the road from us. Okay, Lee, can I ask you to do me a solid? I mean, this is really strange. But can I ask you, I don't know if you, someone from your office, somebody, could you go see if there are some tickets for me at this particular place? Yeah, we'll take care of that. So a few minutes later, my cell phone rings again. I pick it up. It's another voice on the line that says, this is so-and-so from the White House office of such-and-such. Such. We have someone here trying to pick up tickets in your names. Is this legit? <laughs> what I wanted to say was, are you legit? <laughs> <clears throat> But I said, yes, yes, it, it, yes. And so pretty soon, Lee and I talked. He said, I got two tickets here. I had gone online by then and discovered that President Obama was in the Southland, was going to be at the Orange County Fairgrounds. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on in my life? And I was still very mindful of the kind of week that lay ahead. So I got to talking to some of my team members. And what ultimately happened is that two of my colleagues on the pastoral staff went down the next day to Orange County Fairgrounds in Costa Mesa and walked into an event where President Barack Obama appeared. And I missed it. <laughs> I have tried ever since to figure out exactly what was that all about. What happened? The best clue I have is that in one of our exchanges, there was one little line that said to me, Greetings from the Allegheny East Conference. And I said, uh-huh. Somebody who is either Adventist or knows Adventist and is trying to do a kind thing. Best invita invitation I'll ever get. And I didn't even attend. It's reason to feel really bad. Except that this week I was helped I was helped because I found out that there's some other people that did exactly the same thing. Misery loves company. I'm not alone. In fact, Jesus told the story about what they did in Luke's gospel, the 14th chapter. The setting is a dinner party. It's at the house of a prominent Pharisee. Jesus actually, this is a Sabbath day, actually performs a miracle, but not much is said about it on this occasion. But then Jesus gets to watching what's happening among all the people who are at this dinner party, and he sees how they're trying to elbow each other out of the way and get the best places at the table. 
So he comments on that, has some pretty stark things to say about that. But then he makes a statement that becomes a backdrop for the story he's going to tell. I want to read you the backdrop to the story. I've chosen to read it from the message paraphrase by Eugene Peterson, Luke 14, verses 12 to 15. This is what he says. Then he turned to the host, that is Jesus. Then Jesus turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. This triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. That causes us to think back to the song of the angels of the night Jesus was born, still echoing forward from Luke 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Upon whom exactly does his favor rest? Well, upon those who are fortunate enough to get a place at the table in his kingdom. That's who. And so, now, the story. Luke 14, beginning in verse 16. Jesus replied. Now, he's replying to the person who's just said, how fortunate those who get to sit at the table in the kingdom. He replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. It's a slice of life out of the world of Jesus. When throwing a feast, a banquet, a party like this one, it was customary to send your servant out to invite the people that you wanted to have there. Typically, those who were well-placed in society, your neighbors and friends, those who were rich, those whom you would be honored to have at your table. And they would respond to the RSVP telling the servant, we'll be there, we'll be there, we'll be there. And then the host would go to work. And when the meal was ready, in a pre-refrigeration world, that could be a bit dicey, but once it was ready, you didn't have a whole lot of time. There wasn't a refrigerator to hold things in, an oven to warm things up in. And so you immediately sent out the servant to the ones who had RSVP'd and said, come now, it's ready, we're ready to eat. So when he does this, the excuses begin excuses that's what Jesus called them you know the difference between an excuse and a reason 
An excuse is that which if the person to whom you're giving it says, well, if that weren't true, would you still come? You say, no, I wouldn't. That's an excuse. If it's a legitimate reason, then you would say, yeah, I still couldn't come, even if this weren't true. So I, I can remember working at the chaplain's office at the medical center. I'd been invited by Gerald Pinnock, who was in leadership, became president of the Southeastern California Conference. I was fairly young. Would you come over to the conference office and have a devotional on an important occasion that they were having? I agreed, kind of excited about it, and promptly forgot to write it down in my daytime. Those of you who don't know what I just said, see me after the service. I'll explain what a daytimer was. That morning, because it had been in my mind, I walked past the receptionist at the chaplain's office. She said, oh, good, good, you're here. I, I have Gerald Pinnock on hold. I said, oh, no, and it all hit me. And I walked very slowly to the office, just my mind racing. What, what time is it? I can never make what am I going to say? All kinds of reasons went through my mind. Excuses, rather, went through my mind. I mean, I could say, oh, Jer I'm so sorry. <sighs> my grandmother died. <clears throat> it was true. It, I mean, it was 18 years before, but we didn't, we, we didn't need to get into timing stuff. Just, you know, <laughs> all kinds of things. And finally, I just took a deep breath and said, Gerald, I forgot. I'm so sorry. Excuses. That's what they're giving. First is a real estate excuse. I bought a field and I got to go see it now. Scholars are rather united in saying that's not the way things operated even then. You didn't buy a field and then go inspect it. So either the guy's lying or something's going on here. Next guy, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Five. This is not a minor investment. And now I got to go test drive them. Really? You bought them, spent all that money, and you haven't even test drove them yet? What, what are you talking about? And then the last one, I just got married. I can't come. What is that all about? What in the world? Excuse after excuse after excuse. So much so that when the servant comes back and tells him, the host is furious. Listen to the words of New Testament scholar Clinton Arnold, who says, once the invitation has been accepted, not to show up as an insult as well as a financial burden to the host. The, this passage is not about a last-minute invitation that is impossible to accept, but a shameful refusal to come after sending in an RSVP. From a Middle Eastern perspective, none of the excuses is legitimate, and all would be insulting to the host, and not just to that host. Have you had kids who got married lately? And they're putting together the invite list, and they're having an eye over here for the venue and the reception and how much they charge a plate, and we got to keep this within this budget, and, and, and we got to make sure, okay, you got to RSVP because we've got to come out just right. And then you get there, and there's a dozen people that don't show up, and you think, I'm paying for those. And they didn't even show up, but they RSVP'd. You walk to church, and happy Sabbath to you. Yeah. That's the host. What in the world? 
You said you were coming and now you haven't. He gets angry and he says, okay, I'll tell you what. Go out to the other side of the tracks, to the misfits of Israelite society and bring them in. I'm going to fill my banquet hall. We've done it. Still room. Then go to the country lanes, the hedges, meaning beyond where we live, uh, an allusion to the coming gospel to the Gentiles, and bring them in, because my banquet house must be full. So what does it mean for us today? The lesson. Well, we can conclude this. Those who gave excuses, they didn't need the invitation or the banquet. They had what they needed. We're not hungry. We can provide our own meal. We got enough money to spend on all these other things. We don't need that. We are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But to the others who got the invitation. They needed it. And they knew they needed it. Honey, we're going to eat tonight. And not just eat, we've been invited to a banquet. We're going to feast. Maybe the lesson is simple. God's favor is given to those who know they need his favor, who know they're lost without the invitation. It is upon those that God's favor rests. So I got to wondering, what might it have been like if the ones originally invited had come? Religiously rigid, religiously righteous, look down their nose at everybody else. It's all about me. What might it have been like? You remember the story, I'm sure, by, written by Karen Blixen, pen name Isaac Dennison. Remember that story, Babette's Feast? Babette, who had been a chef in high society in Paris, was now in a small community in Denmark that had been a very, that was a very fundamentalistic community where two sisters led out, and they took very seriously the words of Jesus, don't have a thought about what you will eat or about what you will wear. And so they said, all we will eat is boiled fish and boiled potatoes, and that's it. And Babette worked for them. And she would try to tell them, I can fix you something. Nope. That's not what we want. We're not about enjoying food and all of this. And so she would fix them, boiled fish, boiled potatoes. Well, somebody back home in Paris bought Babette a lottery ticket that won and contacted her and said, you have won 10,000 francs, which was an enormous amount of money. And so Babette went to her employers, and she said, I would like to make you a meal, a real meal. And they said, nope, not interested. Oh, but please, I can make, not interested, but I can. And she finally wore them down. And so they said, okay, fine, go ahead, go ahead with your banquet, go ahead. 
But they agreed among themselves, the members of this religiously rigid, sour, dour sect. We're not going to enjoy it. We're not going to enjoy it. We'll eat it, but we won't enjoy it. And so Babette went to work. The food started rolling in, crates and caravans, all kinds of delectable delights and quails and cages and fine drinks. It all rolled in, and she went to work, and soon the aroma was wafting around the village. Wow. And the evening came, and they filed in, and they sat down, and she began to serve. This food. And they ate. Sour. Dour. But finally one of them said, Oh, this is so good. Wow. And the one across the table said, Yeah, did you try that? Tried that and smiled. And then somebody down there kind of tittered and said, well, you wait till you try what's coming next. It is just delectable. And then one person put his arm around around the woman to his side and hugged her. I mean, hadn't Jesus said, love your neighbor? So he hugged her, and they both just laughed. And they ate, and they talked, and they laughed. And their community was transformed by a meal. The end of that, the sisters went to Babette and said, Oh, Babette, you're wealthy now. We will miss you now. We will miss you so much when you go back to Paris. And Babette said, I'm not going back. He said, What do you mean? I'm not going back. I spent it all on this meal. I have nothing left. At least that's what Blixen says Babette said. I actually think it was the host that said that and that he got it from Jesus who said, I have spent it all on this meal for you, for you. So my banquet hall must be filled with any who would come. And the favor of God will rest upon those who know they need his favor. Like Donald Gray Barnhouse said, Christ sends away no one empty except those who are full of themselves. And so it was the greatest invitation I've ever got. I'll never get another one like it. And I didn't attend. But you know what? This week I decided something. I decided with all due respect to the President of the United States, that wasn't the greatest invitation I've ever received. The greatest invitation to which I have already RSVP'd that I have ever received came from Jesus. And I realized this week that I need his invitation 
and his favor as much now as I have ever needed it. And maybe you're there as well. If you are, I got good news. God's favor rests on those who know they need his favor. And that is cause to sing hallelujah. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.